So we're going to look at uh, Acts 16 this morning. And uh, the title, if you like, is The Church Has Left the Building. And so here I'm sat in a church building and normally it would be thriving uh, on a Sunday morning at this time. Um, But the church has left the building. And I want us to see from Acts uh, chapter 16, three different characters who connect with Jesus. I think two things that the Lord has done in this pandemic is number one, he's made us aware of our mission as followers of Jesus. He's made us aware of our raison d'etre, if you like, our reason for being is to make disciples. Um, But he's also, I think, warmed our world towards him. I think as things have been removed, as people have had time to reflect, I genuinely sense uh, an opening a warming of our land towards the gospel. And so these two things, I think, excite me as we come gradually and eventually out of this uh, restrictions that we're under. Um, And I want this morning just to remind us of the good news of Jesus and what happens when people connect with him. So we're going to look at this uh, three characters in Acts chapter 16. This is the story how the church in Philippi starts. So if you're familiar with the New Testament, Philippians is a letter, a book in the New Testament that was written about 10 to 15 years after these events in Acts chapter 16. And Paul writes to the church that gets started there. But we're going to look at at how this whole thing started uh, in Acts chapter 16. And we're going to start at verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatria named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So the first character we're introduced to is Lydia. And she was a dealer in purple cloth. And purple at that time was a a very expensive color to make uh, in a fabric and affordable only to the very wealthy or often even royalty. You may remember when Jesus was hung upon the cross, they they put purple robes on him as a kind of form of mockery to say, oh, look, you're you kind of think that you're the king of the Jews here, therefore, is some purple cloth for you. And so if you like, this this lady was a very successful business lady uh, dealing in high-end material. And uh, I tried to think of who's a modern-day Lydia. And uh, I thought perhaps Deborah Meaden um, from uh, um, Dragon's Den might be an example that we could uh, familiarize ourselves with. So Paul, first of all, meets um, this Lydia uh, lady. And uh, she was non-Jewish, so she was a Gentile, and she was reading what is our Old Testament. Um, And uh, you can just imagine her going through the Old Testament, reading it, familiarizing herself with it, um, and and wanting to know what is the the Messiah that was uh, promised in this Old Testament that she was reading. And then how does this character Lydia come to connect with Jesus? Well, we read there that the Lord opened her heart the lord opened her heart 
And it's so important when we um, think about sharing our faith, sharing the good news of Jesus, what is our responsibility and what is God's responsibility? Our responsibility is to preach Christ. God's responsibility is to open hearts. We preach Christ, God opens hearts. Why don't you get your, your, your fists up to remind you visually, what do we do? We preach Christ. What does God do? He opens hearts. We preach Christ. That's our responsibility, our calling. What's his responsibility? Open hearts. We preach Christ. He opens hearts. So freeing uh, when we come to sharing our faith that, that, that that's our responsibility. This is his responsibility. And um, how does, uh, how else can we um, learn that Lydia comes to faith? Well, she comes to faith through friendship. You notice that Paul sits down with her. He gives her some time. And, and we see this relationship forming because at the end, she persuades Paul the apostle to come and stay at her house. And I don't know if you've familiarized yourself with the book of Acts, but Paul is a pretty focused, determined guy. You know, remember Agabus, you know, if you go, you're going to be tied and bound. He says, I don't care, I'm going. Yeah, um, Lydia managed to persuade Paul to actually come and do something that he didn't have in his mind to do. So you see this strength and depth of relationship that has formed between Paul and Lydia. And he sits down, he speaks with her, and he gives her time. And I just want to encourage us. Do we give time to people? Do we give time to people? Perhaps during this pandemic, you've actually managed to give some time to your neighbors, people on your street. As we've been scattered, we've got to be among the people next to us. Sociologists will talk about three different places that we spend time. That the first place is where we work, the second place is where people live, and the third place is where people play, if you like. It's the pub, the gym, the places that have been shut down over the last year and a half. And if you like, Paul is meeting Lydia in this third place. And it's important uh, as this restrictions open up that we have time in the third place. I think it was Adrian Holloway I always used to say, do what you love and do it with people outside the church. Um, that's a wonderful way to share faith is just do what you love and do it with people outside the church and have time for people. And uh, I know it can be hard on Zoom just looking at one face. So we've got a couple little videos this morning to spice things up a bit. And the first little video we're going to watch is of um, Celebrity Big Brother 2010. I don't know if we've got any celebrity Big Brother fans, um, but I remember watching this and just gawping at what I saw and managed to find the clip on YouTube. Basically, in 2010, Stephen Baldwin, uh, he's a famous US actor, uh, came on Big Brother and he's a, a born again Christian. And uh, he got the privilege of having a Bible for an hour a day in the Big Brother house and he would just read it. Uh, he would share his faith. Um, very, very strongly, um, perhaps not the approach I would, I would go for, uh, but every day he would share his, his faith incredibly strongly. Um, but what's really interesting is as he moved out the house, uh, an interview um, with Stephanie Beecham was made. And I'd love you just to watch this, this 60 second interview um, with Stephanie Beecham. Do you think much will change in the house over the coming days? Absolutely. I mean, that, um, ooh. It suddenly uh, uh, genuinely moved me well, I thought. 
the idea of not having the Bible. Oh, and I'm, um, I'm not, um, uh, uh, I'm not um, acting. The idea of not having the Bible would be uh, truly depressing. So if Stephen left, um, if Stephen were to go, I would uh, really like um, the privilege of the Bible, please. That was funny. That was weird, what happened then. That was very strange. Because, I mean, I really am only in it for the poetry, I'm only in it for the stories. But that was a, that was a hard hit just then. Stephanie, were you upset by the thought of losing access to the Bible or the thought of losing any of your fellow housemates? Don't again. It's gone again. It's the Bible. Wow. Seriously, no, it's just even can be a real pain. Um, he's, he's a completely darling person. A completely darling person. That was very strange. It hit me again. When, it was the Bible. I don't know about you, but that clip just really encouraged me. It was the Bible. And I think as we just get so familiar with the Bible, we can sometimes um, just forget its power. Uh, it is incredibly powerful. And as Stephen Baldwin perhaps shared his faith in, in the approach we wouldn't take, but he shared his faith. And as he did, seeds were dropped. And I just want to encourage you, um, as you share the word of God, as you share scripture, as you share the good news of the gospel, it is incredibly powerful just one sentence one small word it can just live with a person forever and so i want to encourage you when you're in that third place pray for those opportunities to to talk about jesus and his word okay so that's the first person we looked at uh lydia the dealer in purple cloth let's look at the second character um act 16 verse 16 once when we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Okay, so the first character we've met is uh, Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. The second character we meet is like a fortune teller. And I was trying to think of uh, a fortune teller that we may be familiar with. And I don't know if any of you remember Mystic Meg. Um, <laughs> and so um, you see the kind of very opposite characters that Paul is connecting with. Um, but actually, it's probably a, a bit more dark and sinister than a, a Mystic Meg character. Um, this lady is under um, spiritual slavery. She's under torment. She's not in control of herself. And she's also under physical slavery. Um, so perhaps maybe a, a more applicable um, parallel to today would be uh, a modern sex worker under the control of a pimp, you know, someone who is really 
um, being abused and um, being taken advantage of and in all sorts of mess in their lives. And how does the gospel come to her? How does Paul um, connect her with Jesus? Well, I don't know if you picked it up, but the scripture started once when we were going to the place of prayer, when we were going. So he met Lydia uh, in this kind of third place, uh, very relational. Um, but this um, lady, this female slave, he meets as he was going, just as he was going about his everyday business. He just bumped into um, this lady. I don't know about you, but um, I some, I've been sometimes onto some short-term missions where, where you go somewhere and, and do some stuff and, and pray for people and share Jesus. Um, what's amazing, two of those missions, the, the best conversations I had were actually on the way to the mission. I remember once going to the Alps and uh, we were um, snowboarding mission, which I can definitely recommend that. That was good fun. Um, but on the ferry over there, I just had this amazing conversation with this guy. I remember going uh, out to Albania to, to go and preach there. And uh, as we're flying out, I had one of those, those stories that you just hear about that you think never is going to happen to you. Managed to sit next to this guy and talk to him. Um, he, he had an awareness of God, but he wasn't, um, a follower of Jesus. And as we're coming into, uh, into land, um, had the privilege and joy of leading him to Christ and, and then saw no one come to Christ in Albania. <laughs> and, and just what I felt God speak to me through that was you don't need to, in a sense, go on mission. Life is a mission as you were going, as you were going, I want to encourage you when you go to the shop. Um, when you go for a walk, when you go for your daily exercise, as you go, share Jesus, share him with people. And I love this. I don't know if you pick this up. Um, Paul got so annoyed <laughs> with this um, fortune teller woman. I love this. I don't know about you, but I feel like such a failure in sharing my faith. The amount of times I chicken out on sharing stuff, uh, the amount of times I just say something trembling or I just get annoyed at people and I don't want to give them my time. I, I'm on a mission. I'm on a focus on a task. I just make so many mistakes. But isn't it refreshing to hear that Paul here, even through his annoyance, God uses uh, his words. And what words does he use? Well, he, he uses in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And if Lydia has come to faith through relationship, through almost kind of like an alpha uh, conversation, a discussion group, um, this slave um, woman has come to faith through what we might call like a power encounter. Um, Paul has just said in the name of Jesus and something incredibly dramatic and sudden has happened um, in this lady's life. And we've got another little video now to show you a modern day example of that happening. Let's have a look at this. Frisco, Texas. Sometimes you don't have a weapon for fighting back. And when an armed robber burst through her door, shop owner Marion Chadwick thinks she doesn't have a prayer. He comes to the counter with his gun and he taps on it and he says, this is a robbery. I want your money. With a loaded gun just inches from her face, Marion calmly retaliates using the power of the pulpit. You get out of my store right now in the name of Jesus. I planted my feet, pointed my finger in his face, and I said, in the name of Jesus, you get out of my store. 
though she's a hair trigger from being blown to smithereens. Marion relies on a higher firepower. You get out of my store right now in the name of Jesus. That was my weapon, that I had one shot. The thief reels from the biblical assault. But the preacher's not done with her sermon. And I went, I bind you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Leave. Marion doesn't know if the crook is afraid of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Or her. He backed up. And he kept backing up until he got to the front door and then he took off. Marion may not have saved the robber's soul, but using the word definitely saved her life. In the name of Jesus. So it's slightly American, but I remember reading the British press, an ex example of exactly the same thing happening. And I shared that with my friend and he said he was cycling in the canal once and this guy jumped out and grabbed his bike and to nick it. And he just said, in the name of Jesus, get off my bike. And the guy just walked off. <laughs> I just want to just want to remind you of the power, not only of the word with Lydia, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And 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 when we pray, nothing never happens. When we pray, nothing never happens. I just want to encourage you. Um, we can share our faith through words and conversation and friendship, absolutely. But we can also share our faith through the power of Jesus. We can pray for people and offer prayer. And often people really want to receive prayer. And we can just pray for them in the name of Jesus, whatever they need and believe that he will do amazing things. The third character we meet is in, uh, Roman, is in Acts 16, uh, verse 25. Just to update you as to what's happened, um, the owners of the slavery girl have gone to the Roman magistrates and Paul and his crew have been severely flogged and chained and then jailed. And so we're skipping now to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. So we've had the first character. It was kind of Lydia. Um, we've had the second character, this slavery girl. And we've had this third character now connecting with Jesus, the Roman jailer. And I was thinking of a kind of modern day equivalent. Might be someone like Anthony Middleton. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, the uh, SAS Who Dares Wins guy. I think he's now just pulled out of that um, show. Um, uh, again, a, a kind of real tough character this time, aggressive. Um, and he's suicidal, actually, after what happens. He, he's about to um, commit suicide. And so uh, with Lydia, we've seen um, 
her connection with Jesus through relationship and friendship and time. We've seen the, the, the female slave um, connect with Jesus by Paul just being out and about in his everyday life. And then this Roman guard, you think about it, he's actually at work. Um, so in his workplace, um, he connects um, with Jesus. The sovereignty of God has uh, meant that Paul is meeting this Roman guard at work. And how did he come to faith? Well, we might jump straight to the, the sign, the miracle of this earthquake happening. But I think actually we need to just take a step behind that. And that is his um, suffering. Um, imagine the, the jailer seeing the suffering that Paul and his crew are going through and then seeing them worship. And the kind of earthquake must have been kind of the ceiling of the deal, if you like. But for this jailer to observe two broken and bloodied people worshipping Jesus after their suffering, I think that must have had an incredibly powerful uh, impact upon him. And I think often in sharing our faith, we, we maybe are familiar with uh, the whole idea of relationship and discussion and debate and conversation and we may be familiar with praying for people and and seeing the power of god and signs of wonder break out and um, perhaps though we're not always familiar with the idea that often um jesus gets us to share our faith through our suffering and through our pain and through our brokenness and i had a cool story about uh, an african tribesman um but i i, I thought actually uh, i got a much better story because it was yesterday um and um, there's a couple in our church who uh, adopt um, severely disabled kids. Um, they've got a couple of them uh, who have their lives, um, who have a very short life expectancy. And um, sadly, um, one of their, their kids um, has been taken home for palliative care and it, it's, um, it's not looking good at all. And um, just sent a text uh, last night to, to check in with them see how they're doing uh, and this was the response part of the response i got heartbreaking but in all of this god is good and he's calling us and all he's calling us to do right now is to continue to love her heartbreaking but in all of this god is good and all he's calling us to do right now is to continue to love her and i was just hit again what what a a, a proclamation of the gospel that they're manifesting in their lives that they're communicating through their suffering that god has sovereignly permitted and many of you as was shared with through the prophetic earlier uh, are going through difficult situations through horrible things um i want to encourage you and affirm you that actually god may well be using those to bring other people to faith just like Paul, as you worship through them, as you publicly declare your faith and say, uh, despite this horrible thing going on, I love Jesus, I worship him. People will be watching and seeing and thinking, wow, just like that Roman jailer, just like that Roman jailer, God will be using your situation. So three very different characters that connect with Jesus. Um, we've had Lydia, the dealer in in purple cloth the kind of deborah meaden uh, uh potential uh modern day example the mystic meg character and the um and milton kind of character all coming to faith i don't know about you but um sometimes i i get kind of impatient with god 
and and I, I just want to see thousands come to to know Christ and know the joy of knowing Him. Um, but it encourages me, Act sixteen, that it pulls out three individuals, and the ones are important. The 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 ones and twos are important and we long for a day where thousands come to faith, but the ones and twos are important to God. And look at these three different characters. Um, so different. And I know this is something you're passionate about Raj and you carry it and you're known. I don't know if you know this, you're known among Christ central as a church that um, has a kind of all sorts vision that, that wants to be together. And I know this is your vision, this kind of act 16, these three very, very different characters. You wouldn't put them together, would you? Um, yet God brings them together in act 16 to start a church. The, the female slave, the businesswoman, the jailer, and, and, and they were the church that Paul wrote to 10 to 15 years later. Um, amazing. And, and just none of them encountered Jesus by coming to a church service. They all encountered Jesus by Paul just wanting to share his faith as he went through his life. I want to encourage you um, to do the same. And then just to close, I don't know about you, but we're just reminded afresh of the amazing gospel. Lydia, the dealer in purple cloth, normally made purple cloth to put on people as a, as a sign of honor. Yet Jesus on the cross, he took the purple cloth as a sign of shame and mockery. The uh, mystic Meg character, the female slave, bound by a demonic oppression, Jesus upon the cross, all evil poured out upon him. The, the Roman centurion about to put a Roman weapon of war inside himself, but doesn't. Jesus upon the cross has a Roman spear actually pierced through him. Jesus comes to these three different characters, actually, through Paul. But he comes to these broken people and he becomes like them to make them like him. And in the same way, in all our brokenness and all our oddities that we have, all our um, shortcomings, Jesus has come to us if you're a follower of him. He's come to you in your brokenness to make you like him. In the same way, let's become that incarnate Emmanuel God that we worship and, and, and come to people, bring the good news, uh, whether it be through words, whether it be through power, whether it be through our worship and suffering. Um, let's communicate this good news that we have and believe that God will do amazing things among us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks so much. Uh, over to you, Raj.